Sports Radio 104.3 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, celebrating 20 years of bringing the outdoors to Colorado radio, here's Terry Wickstrom. Good morning. You know, it looks like kind of a nice day today. I don't know how warm it's supposed to get. And I, for some reason, didn't uh, check the weather forecast today. I I knew I wasn't probably going to get out fishing. This is a dangerous day in the studio for Kyle and I. I want you to know that. Karen had some obligations. Well, that obligation is she rather wanted to spend time with one of our grandkids than uh, be here in the studio with me. So Kyle and I will be getting texts and calls when we screw up on a regular basis because I know she'll be listening. So any of you that hear me fumble or if I kind of stall in a minute, it sounds like I quit talking, it's probably because I'm getting a message from Karen about something I did wrong. You know, yeah. Oh, you know, in all honesty, folks, uh, Karen and Kyle keep this show going. And if you like the show, uh, it wouldn't wouldn't have the same content it did if it wasn't for them and and how they interact with us and they keep me in line. Karen works hard during the week getting this show set up. Kyle keeps us on the air. We do a great job together. Now, you realize if you just tuned in, we're at our new time now. Um, we we normally air nine to eleven. And we will go back to a 9 to 11 when Broncos training camp starts. But to accommodate the golf show, we have moved from 10 to noon for the next, I think, four months, uh, three and a half, four months. So we'll be at the new time. So make sure you catch us. If for some reason you can't catch us at these times, uh, we podcast everything. You go to 1043thefan.com. We have two types of podcasts. We have hour-by-hour podcasts that you can listen on your phone or online. And I believe through the app, too. And then we have the 104.3 The Fan app. And then also we podcast every individual um, interview, every segment. So you can go to my page on The Fan, Terry Wicks, uh, uh, go to The Fan menu, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, click on that. And by the end of the the day by Saturday, they have up there my podcast of each segment. You can listen to the different segments. So if the new hours don't fit your schedule, make sure you... Uh, follow up with us online and of course always always follow us on facebook our facebook page is going to be the heart of what we're doing here you'd have known our hours changed um you would have you could have read last week's tackle talk on the little micro baits or not read but listen to the podcast we'd have had it up on our facebook page karen will be posting new television shows on our youtube channel she'll put those on our facebook page we're going to put on our facebook page again how you win a ice fishing trip with Nate Zielinski and myself. We'll talk more about that later. And then my, uh, if there's a key interview that happens, we'll put a, we'll put a link to the podcast on the Facebook page. And we also put a link to my Denver post column. You know, I write a weekly column for the Denver post. And when that column comes out, it's usually, it could be Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, typically Wednesday. Um, we put a link to that so you can go right to it online and know the column is out. So a lot going on. Going to cover a lot today. We're going to cover turkey hunting. We're going to cover a lot of fishing. There's been a lot of fishing going on. It's changing. These fronts have affected it. Um, we're going to talk in the second hour also about uh, avoidance and detection of tick-borne diseases. And that is so important. We really are going to spend some time on that in the second hour because it can really, really affect your life. You know, speaking of that, let's go right to the phones. And joining us, I think he's probably at Cabela's getting ready to do some seminars, is Brad Peterson. Good morning, Brad. Good morning, Terry. You know, I, I know I was going to bring this up later in the segment, but let's start with this. You know, later on in the second hour, 
we're going to talk about tick-borne diseases, a born, uh, and I, I know we're going to cover it in depth, and I don't want to spend too much time on it, but you actually can speak from experience being affected by this, can't you? Yeah, Terry, I tell you what, uh, I dealt with uh, Lyme disease and Babesia, which is a co-infection that uh, you get from a tick bite. Uh, had it for probably five years before it was diagnosed. Um, part of the problem around here is because we it's not nearly as common. It doesn't get or it gets mixed diagnosed oftentimes. And it is one that can really affect you. And being outdoors, it's something that uh, a potential for anyone being outdoors, whether you like to fish or hunt or hike or just watch wildlife, it's something that everyone needs to pay attention of. And with a little bit of precaution ahead of time and being aware of some of the symptoms, if it does come on, it's a lot easier to avoid it to start off with. And secondly, if you get some of the symptoms earlier and you're able to get treated, the treatment can be a lot quicker than if you had it for a while. Well, and I don't want to go too much depth here because we're going to cover it in the second hour, but it's it's life-changing if you get it, isn't it? It is. You know, it took me uh, almost a year to get through uh, the treatment. So it was, it was, uh, it was definitely uh, affected me quite drastically. And, and some of the people, it takes even longer. Oh, you're absolutely right. And some people never recover and there's so many, and we're going to cover, there's, there's probably, uh, I don't know, there's dozens of diseases and I think 30 species, almost 30 species of ticks just in Colorado. We're going to cover a lot in the second hour. So if you spend time outdoors, you may want to tune in. It's going to be at the 1115 segment right after Nate Zielinski today. And we're going to take some time and go through that, but let's move on to some other things, Brad. First of all, um, I was out checking some ponds yesterday, doing some fishing. And I found out I know nothing about fishing. <laughs> you know, in, in the springtime, you can go from a hero to a zero really quick in the matter of a day just with the way the weather changes. Well, you know, that's one thing I wanted to talk about. And obviously, uh, it, 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 it bruises my ego when I don't have a good day out. But I, one thing before we go on to what is happening in the ponds and the lakes around where you've been fishing and that's the fact that, you know, people hear us talk, they hear you and Chad and Ronnie and Nate and, and uh, Bernie, and we all talk about what's going on with this bite, or Will Dykstra talks about a pike bite, or, or Matt Ensley talks about the, the bass out at Quincy or something. But we, we also got to remember that we're spending hours and hours on the water, and we have lots of times where we have to figure it out or where it doesn't work. It isn't just automatic. It is, when we talk about these bites going on, that means we think it's your best chance to be successful. But there's so many factors that play into it. And even though it sounds like we catch fish after fish, and there's times we do. We catch a lot of fish. This group that contributes to the show are some of the best anglers in the world, and we do catch a lot of fish. But that doesn't mean we don't have days when we struggle, too. And we need the people to know that so they understand and put it in perspective for their own fishing, Brad. Oh, that's completely right. Uh, last time I guest hosted, Terry, we had Jacob Wheeler, one of the BASS Elite Pros, finished in the top 10 for Angler of the Year, and he was talking about how he struggled at a tournament. Um, everyone does it, and, and a serious angler, that's part of the thing that keeps us coming back is because the puzzle keeps constantly changing, and it's it's the game of trying to figure that all out that makes it exciting. Now, you got to be catching fish at certain times. Uh, a puzzle isn't any fun if you can't put it together, but um, 
the fact that it keeps changing is something that, you know, all of us, no matter how skilled we are, there's times that we look at it and the pieces just don't seem to come together. And there's other times when you see it and it's a, it's a masterpiece in a matter of seconds. You just know exactly what you need to do to go out there and catch fish. And this time of year with the water warming and then getting those, those cooler, you know, fronts come through, you can really change what is happening um, really quickly. So that, that puzzle's changing. You always need to be thinking about it. You mentioned going out to ponds. Um, I went out uh, earlier this week to a couple ponds and wasn't having any luck using a little ice fishing teardrop with a minnow style bait hooked on the just the nose. And I noticed that there was a bunch of little mayfly and, and midges hatching. And all I did was switch to hooking that plastic in the middle more wacky style. And because the way I had that hooked, the action of the plastic looked more like what those fish were feeding on, all of a sudden I started catching fish. And it's it's those little changes at this time of year that can make all the difference between having no bites to having a successful day. Well, and I, and I want to tell people, and, and you're going to go out and you're going to have days. I used to do a television show somewhere, and then people would call after it aired and say, I stopped there three times after work for two hours, didn't catch a fish. Well, if I had a dollar for every two-hour period I didn't catch a fish, I, I would have retired a very wealthy man long, long ago. But that doesn't mean you didn't learn something when you were out there. And that's part of the experience. And if it was just automatic, it wouldn't be as much fun. Now, obviously, we want to catch fish. But it's going to have, don't get frustrated when you hear about a bite we're talking about. Go back and learn about it. Research it. Keep going you know, and learn and go. Another thing that I think I want to tell people, Brad, and that's that... Um, B, I, I violated one of my own rules yesterday when I went out looking around. Normally, I'll do some homework. I'm talking. We're all talking to each other. I'll look on the internet. What's happening? Well, I know that what's happening after those cold fronts in the in the smaller lakes and ponds are the ones that have been heavily stocked from last fall to this spring. There's going to be a lot of trout being caught. So if I just wanted to catch some fish, I could have gone after those trout and caught some fish. But instead, I went to a brand new pond I'd never fished before, trying to find the layout, had no idea of the contour, spent a couple hours there very unsuccessfully. Then I went to a pond where I had only caught in big panfish, which are going to be more affected than the prolific small ones by the recent cold front. I got a few bites, but wasn't very successful there. So I didn't even follow my own guidelines. You know, that's, that's very true, Terry. And one of the other things besides the Internet is... You know, we have great opportunities um, not only to go to places and talk to people at seminars, whether it's at the ISE shows or the local tackle stores or fishing clubs, but also if you see someone out on a pond or, or wherever you're fishing, lake, stream, and they're catching some fish, you know, most people, if you go up and ask them, you know, hey, what are you doing? They're going to be willing to share it. Now, if they give you the information, don't go right next to them and do the same thing. Maybe that's information you take for the next time or you go down the bank just a little ways and try what they're doing. Some people may say, hey, you know what? Here, I'm doing this special technique. Why don't you stand right here and I'll show you how to do it. But anglers as a whole are happy to give away information and to help other people out to be successful. And a lot of times that's, um, if you aren't asking people and paying attention to what other people are doing, you're missing uh, a great opportunity. No, you're absolutely right. Real quick about any 
any places you might recommend somebody go fishing in the next few days? I know it's Easter, but some people will be out. It's supposed to be real nice weather, I think, by Tuesday. So any places maybe? And then I want to move on because you've got some things going on too. Yeah, um, well, I have heard that today may be the last day for the walleye spawn going on at Chatfield, Cherry Creek, and Aurora. So those lakes, if you're able to get out on a boat, um, you know, should be pretty good. I would just check and confirm with the boat inspectors that there are no nets out if you're going at night. Um, you got to be careful of that. I know some people are doing good at Boyd. And then right now with the temperature changes, the little ponds, St. Rain is a great opportunity to get out. It's like you say, it's been stocked with trout several times already. A lot of nice warm water species are in there. So any one of the little ponds around town, Try to find the shallow, warmer water. That's where you're going to have the most activity. Uh, by the way, folks, you do need tomorrow your new fishing license. If you haven't bought it yet, go online or go to one of the big retailers or a tackle store and pick that up because you need your new fishing license at midnight tonight. So make sure you get yep, that. Was, it just that runs was on it. my list to remind people. That's, that's an important thing. And, and also big game licenses are due uh, this week, applications. Now, so be, if you're... Yeah, before I let you go, we're going to run out of time, and you got some things. First of all, you're at Cabela's. What's going on there? Yep, Cabela's is having a big fishing event today. Um, I'm doing a walleye, springtime walleye seminar at 11 this morning. They've got some uh, people doing fly fishing, casting demonstrations. So an opportunity to come down, talk to a lot of great anglers in the area, get some information, maybe pick up some new lures, uh, some hot tips. So uh, I'm going to be at the Cabela's, the Thornton location. And then also this week, Tuesday night, the Colorado Walleye Association meets up in Berthoud, Colorado at Bennett's Tackle. And we're going to be having Bernie Peake. He's going to come over and talk about summer uh, fishing for the lake trout up at Granby. I know there's a lot of interest in that, and a lot of the techniques he's going to be talking about will apply to the walleye people. And just wanted to make sure and get the word out about that. That is at uh, 7 o'clock on Tuesday night. Okay, so you got, um, you're going to be doing seminars. There's seminars all day. You're going to be at the Thornton Cabela's, and there's seminars right. all day. I imagine there's something at the Southern one. They just won't get to see you. And then uh, tell us again what, when and what time the wall, what Walleye Club meets. The Walleye Club is Tuesday night at 7 p.m. at uh, Bennett's Tackle in Berthoud, Colorado. Um, and we are going to have uh, Bernie Keith right there, so just come on down. Bennett's is right behind the Conoco Station, uh, just a little bit on the, the north edge of town there, and we should have a good time. Everyone's welcome. All right. Brad, we got to run, but thank you so much for joining us as always. Thanks, Terry. You bet. Brad Peterson, just a great, uh, great, great contributor all the time to the show. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Sun Power Sports, Colorado's largest ATV and motorcycle dealer. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Honey Smoked Fish Company's Smoked Salmon. The secret is in the fire. Um, we're going to go right to the phones. It's time for our first Parks and Wildlife segment. And uh, joining us from uh, Cheyenne Mountain State Park is Jeanette Lara. Good morning, Jeanette. Good morning, Terry. Thanks for having me on. You know what? It's kind of a nice day here. I thought, I didn't know, I forgot to check the weather today because I knew I was going to be in the studio. But it's sunny and it's fairly nice. I bet you got a great day there at Cheyenne Mountain, too. Oh, I'm sure that we do. Um, it's gorgeous outside and looks like tomorrow for Easter is going to be even nicer. <laughs> That's awesome. It's a great park. Um, why don't you tell people where it's located and kind of describe the park a little bit? 
Absolutely. So Cheyenne Mountain State Park is located on the southwest side of Colorado Springs. We're kind of nestled right between Fort Carson and Cheyenne Mountain Air Force Base, otherwise known as the infamous NORAD. <laughs> yeah, you get to see. You'll you'll you're at you'll know if something happens. <laughs> <laughs> we we have a couple clues, you know, things that we're looking out for. Um, yeah, uh, but the park has great camping opportunities. We have great trail riding, you know, for biking, hiking. Um, yeah, we have over 20 miles worth of trails to come out and enjoy. Now, are the trails multi-use trails? You said biking, hiking. Um, so you, they're all non-motorized, I assume. But do you have any horseback riding? Um, correct on the non-motorized. Um, we do have a, a certain section of trails that's open to the equestrian users. Um, it's about a nice eight-mile round trip kind of out and back loop for the equestrian users. And then just recently, we also opened up a section of our trails that are closest to the campgrounds um, to have dogs on them. So, you know, in the past, it was always no dogs allowed on the trails. And so now we have a new opportunity to to walk the dogs while you're out camping as well. Oh, absolutely. Right. Now, we do want to stress that the dogs still have to be on leashes and you have to pick up after them, but you can take your dog on a walk with you there. Of course. Yeah, that's some just good, respectful practices. You know, keep the dog on a leash, just make sure there's no other troubles with wildlife, um, you know, both for the dog's safety as well as the other animals, so that there's no harassment there. So, um, if, yeah. I'm, if I'm not mistaken, your trails vary in elevation quite a bit, too, don't they? Well, right now we have um, some decent transition from the prairie lands up into, you know, kind of the foothills of the mountain. Um, but very soon we're hoping to get a summit opportunity on the top of Cheyenne Mountain. Um, so we're we're working on the last bit of finishing the Dixon Trail that's going to reach the top of the mountain. We're still at least half a year away from that. So so just wait for that to open up and we'll we'll definitely put some news out there when it does. And your camping facilities are open year round. Is that correct? They are, and actually we, we are surprisingly busy even in the winter months. So we have reservations available year-round. Um, we were full all through the month, month of March, uh, which is just a good reminder that recommend, uh, reservations are strongly encouraged. Well, you know, Jeanette, in a few minutes we're going to talk to Ray from Adventure Campers here in Colorado. And him and I were talking, and it people more and more just don't want to stay inside year-round in Colorado. And as I talk to the state parks, I've seen more and more people taking advantage of camping year-round, and that sounds like what you're seeing at the park, too. Oh, absolutely. I mean, we have 60-degree days in, you know, January. I mean, so when you get in the blue skies, weather's great. I mean, people definitely want to enjoy what we have to offer um, throughout the state. Another thing you have, and uh, and we're going to talk quite a bit about this because you have some events and you have some special things going, and that's you have a... Um, a fairly sophisticated amount of archery for people to take advantage of the park. You have actually two different archery ranges. Tell us about those. Yeah, our archery ranges are really state-of-the-art. We're getting some great reviews. Um, shooters really like, you know, kind of the setup that we have. So the two different sections is there's a, a static range, you know, covered shooting line, 10 to 80-yard targets, really nice. And then we have a limited draw kind of youth range to go along with that. Um, so all of that is included in the price of your, you know, regular state parks pass. So, you know, $7 a day. $70 for an annual, and you can shoot that range as much as you would like. Um, then the other side is a field 3D target range, and it's really cool. It's not just 
hey, here's a deer, you know, just one target, two targets thrown out there. Um, we have 28 field targets throughout a mile-long walking range, as well as numerous life-size 3D targets that are just really cool um, to experience. Now, when you're walking that, too, you're it's through varied terrain, so you really can simulate hunting conditions. And one of the things I've always been kind of a um, fanatic about is trying to duplicate what you're going to do when you hunt, the types of shots you're taking, whether it's archery or rifle, the clothing you're wearing, the different positions you'll get into. And this really helps you um, duplicate that or replicate that, doesn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. So some of them are, you know, across a little creek bed, you know, maybe up a hillside, um, you know, it's still designated, you know, safety triangle, you know, so kind of shooting lanes. Um, but otherwise, you can really feel out the different distances. Um, you, it's really some varied shots there that can really help with your, you know, next hunt experience. And before I, oh, and now we want to tell people you need a special permit to hunt the 3D range. You do. So because of the extra cost involved with those targets, um, it's a $3 per day permit. Um, or um, the reason I, I picked today to try and, and get on your show was because um, our annual 3D permits are actually expiring tomorrow or today, the 31st. And then they'll, the new annuals are available and they'll be dated April 1st through, you know, next March that they'd be valid. Um, so it's a great time, you know, to Purchase that $30 annual permit. You can shoot year-round, you know, get ready now, hone in your equipment um, well before the hunting season would begin for the bow hunters. And lastly, you do have an archery event, I believe, coming up. Is that right? We do. Um, So for the kids, we have some beginning archery classes um, that we hold all summer, um, you know, about two times a month, we, t- we have beginning archery classes, uh, practice sessions as well that we supply the equipment for. But I think you're leaning towards the archery tournament. So we have a great Rocky Mountain shootout is what they're calling it. It's going to be the weekend of Memorial Day. So the Saturday, Sunday, May 26th um, through the 28th. And it's going to be a partnership with Colorado Bow Hunters Association and Parks and Wildlife. And it's just, they're really putting some press out there. It sounds like it's going to be a great tournament. Now, we've got to run, but I'm sure information for everything we talked about is on the website. It sure is. All right. Jeanette, thank you so much for joining us today. All right. Thank you. You bet. Have a good one. You bet. Let's go right back to the phones, because I want to talk to Ray from Adventure Campers. And, Ray, I got a feeling that... If I go shoot at the archery range at Cheyenne Mountain, I'm going to need one of your campers because I'm going to be there until it's dark looking for the arrows I lost. (laughs) Well, that could be. It'd be a great weekend to be out, wouldn't it? Oh, yeah. (laughs) And you and I are stuck inside. Yeah. (laughs) So what's going on at Adventure Campers today, Ray? Well, it's just a great day to come out and look for a new trailer if you're in the market for one. We've got lots of great inventory in some of our smaller, lighter weight uh, units, especially ones with off-road packages in them, so your customers can get back in the woods where they want to be. And we've always got some really good sales going on some larger 24-foot units from both Solaire and Sonoma. So uh, no matter what you're looking for, we've got you covered down here. Well, we're on a new hour. This is a new time for you to call in because of our summer hours changed. Why don't you kind of just tell people about Adventure Camper, what you do? Uh, We do both sales and rentals of towable travel trailers. Um, So if you're looking to rent this summer, we've got a good inventory of, uh, let's see, seven different models available for rent. 
we sell Realite, Viking, Sonoma, and Solaire hard-sided travel traders as well. Uh, so we've got lots of good inventory to choose from, whether you're looking to buy or rent. All right. And how do they find you if they if they need to? Th- well, they, of course they want to come there. So how do they find you? <laughs> uh, we're we're open today until 4 p.m. We're near the intersection of Arapahoe Road and Jordan Road down in southeast Metro Denver. And you can always find us on the web at adventurecamper.com. All right, Ray, we will talk to you again in our new hour and uh, uh, almost lunchtime by the time you join us yeah, now. I feel like I've been playing hooky this morning. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Ray. We'll be talking to you again soon. Thanks, Terry. You bet. That's Ray Reeves. Bench, great people. If you're looking for a towable camper, uh, just stop by. This is a small family-owned business, um, but they have great deals, great inventory, and great lines in their campers, so they'd be a, a great one place for you to start. Um, we're going to take a quick time out. We come back, we're going to talk where you might be able to launch a boat here real soon and catch some walleyes, perch, in addition to trout and pike, all that and more. Terry Oaks from Outdoors is brought to you in part by Honey Smoked Fish Company, Smoked Salmon. The secret is in the fire. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Sun Power Sports. By the way, you might want to go to their Facebook page, Sun Enterprises, Sun E-N-T, and learn how you could win an ice fishing trip to go with Nate Zielinski and I next December. You can enter now through September, so go to Sun's Facebook page and find out if you could win to go ice fishing with us. I'm going to go right to the phones and joining us from actually three different parks, I would say we have Matt Schuler. Matt, you really do kind of have three little parks in one area there, don't you? Yeah, good morning, Terry. Yes, we do. We've got Rifle Gap, Rifle Falls, and Harvey Gap State Park, all within a few miles of each other. And they all offer just a little different experience, and we'll go through that here in a minute, but why don't you tell people where they're located first? Okay. Um, We're out on the western slope. We are just about 10 miles north of the town of Rifle, so we're kind of at the edge of the mountains and the edge of the desert. So we're right on the other side, at the, nestled at the base of the Grand Hogback in a very pretty area. Oh, it's beautiful up there. And you have some pretty good fishing. We're going to get to that in a minute. But the different three different parks have a little different amenities. And I know the first one you want to talk about today was um, Rifle Gap because your boat ramps opened there. Yep, we opened up two and a half hours ago and the gates will be open for the next seven months. And what kind of hours are you going to be open on those gates? Uh, for the for this month, we're going to be open from eight to four, seven days a week, and then on May first, uh, we're going to extend those hours from seven to seven, and then about May eighteenth, uh, our hours will be seven to nine, and they'll stay seven to nine, seven days a week until we close the ramp. And I'll get back to the fishing here in a minute, but you've got uh, camping at all the parks too, is that right? We have um, ninety sites at Rifle Gap. We've got uh, twenty sites at Rifle Falls, um, and then Harvey Gap is a day use area, so it's um, it's primarily fishing and boating and uh, picnicking. And you know, by the way, the ones at um, Rifle Falls, which we have never talked much about in the past, um, some of those are uh, remote or primitive hiking sites, I believe. Yeah, we've got um, about seven sites that are um, tent walking sites. So you park the parking lot. We have carts at the parking lot where you can um, put your gear in, and then you walk down a trail to the sites. And they're all wooded sites. Um, they're along the creek, very pretty area. Well, now, in Rifle Falls, like I said, we haven't talked about it much, but it has a few different draws in the other park. It does have a river, and it doesn't. it's probably not considered a fishing destination, but it really is pretty good fishing. Mostly, I think, is it brook trout and rainbows? I'm not sure. Uh, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, we've got 
We have some rainbow trout, brown trout, and, and some cutthroats um, that are native that are in the creek there. And and it gets, you know, busy on the trail there, but you've told me people, you know, I, I did a television show at Rocky Mountain National Park catching brook trout as people walk by talking to me on the trail. So don't discount that, folks, as having fun, especially taking some kids out where they can see the fish and things like that. And while we're on um, Rifle Falls, it's a beautiful hiking area, and it really does have the that it's like almost three falls where they come down, and it's really beautiful. I think you even do weddings there and things. Yeah, weddings are very popular on the weekends, so a lot of people will come out there and, and get married there. And there's a series of trails that go around the park, and on both sides of the falls we have a series of limestone caves. So um, it's great for kids and families to come out and explore the caves. And on all three parks, there is quite a bit of trails. Is that right? Um, the trails are primarily at Rifle Falls. Um, there's... There's BLM access that surrounds both the Harvey Gap and Rifle Falls. I'm sorry, Rifle Gap. So you can kind of get out and kind of roam around and explore some of the trails that are there. Um, in Rifle Gap, it's primarily um, four-wheel drive trails that are in the BLM. Um, but our tr- hiking trail systems at Rifle Falls, and we're working on developing a trail system at Rifle Gap. Well, the four-wheel drives there, that's some of the most popular four-wheel drive uh, terrain in the state because you are right from that prairie lands, almost like dunes, up into some elevation. A lot of people love to take advantage of that. Let's talk about the little bit of the differences between a Harvey Gap and Rifle Gap. Um, the first difference is what kind of boating is allowed. So at uh, Rifle Gap, we don't have any restrictions on boating. Um, you just need to have your boat inspected before it's launched. Over at Harvey Gap, the um, only boats that are allowed are the boats that are exempt from the aquatic nuisance species inspection. So those are boats like kayaks and canoes and rafts, belly boats, um, stand-up paddle boards, sailboards. Um, new this year are foldable boats. Um, and gasoline engines aren't allowed on those boats because they need to be inspected first. All right. Now, what about the fishing and the two lakes comparable? I know that um, Rifle Gap has walleyes, perch, some pike. Is it similar in, in uh, Harvey Gap? It, it is. Um, we have a lot of the same species in, in both lakes. Um, the One of the main differences is that we have some tiger muskies that we stock at Harvey Gap. So you can find those at Harvey Gap, or you can't find those over at um, Rifle Gap. And Rifle Gap has um, walleyes, um, where Harvey Gap doesn't. And so what are you seeing on the fishing in both lakes right now? Um, the fishing's good. It's starting to pick up a little bit. Our water temperatures are in the high 30s, um, and it looks like we're starting to just kind of start to see signs of the spawn from the walleyes are just starting to um, just to show up. Um, we're, we're seeing pike in the shallows and in the weeds. Um, they're not really feeding just yet, but um, usually usually right after ice off, they're really active, and we lost our ice about, about a week and a half, two weeks ago. Um, and talking to all the fishermen, it sounds like they're just starting to come up into the weeds, and they should, they should start biting pretty soon. Now you have perch and rifle gap too. I don't know if you have them in Harvey, but that's a big draw for the ice fishermen. Do people go after them in the summer too quite a bit? Yeah, yeah, you can kind of catch them year-round. Um, they get the big ones, and it's more active in the winter time. But, yeah, you, you can get them in the summer as well. We also have um, black crappie that are um, that people do really well with in the springtime. That sounds great. You know, what a great diversity of fishing. I'll tell people out there listening, they've been, they've been listening to um, a bunch of my angling contributors and guides on the show over the last few weeks and myself talking about fishing the walleye pre-spawn and post-spawn. And uh, we've been talking about that a lot here on the Front Range. You're just getting into that pre-spawn. Um, you're going to have some great walleye fishing, I would think, for people that can get out in a boat and maybe fish along the dam areas. Or do they get them from shore, too? 
Uh, yeah, they'll get them from shore as well. Um, they do best by boat, but yeah, you can you can get them on the shoreline. Um, the walleye did really well over the winter time. We had they had some um, people get some great walleyes and big walleyes all winter long. Well, then, right now, in all the lakes, when as soon as this ice goes off, most of these lakes are well stocked. I'll bet you got a tremendous trout bite going on everywhere. We, yeah, we do. That's um, that's probably the, what people are catching the most right now are the rainbow trout, um, and we're and we're getting into some brown trout as well. Uh, they stocked it in both lakes um, over the winter time with ten and twelve inch. Um, so there's quite a few trout in there right now. Do they stock them a little bigger there because of the pike? Um, I don't know if it's because of the pike, but they typically um, stock us about ten or twelve inches in there. Yeah, um, we're we're right next to Rifle Falls Fish Hatchery, so it's pretty easy for them to come down and give us a load of trout. Well, and you know, just think about this: you got a lake where you can catch panfish. You got lakes there where you can catch, and a stream where you can catch panfish like crappies and and. Um, perch and then you've got the the trout there but then you've got walleye and then you've got top of the line predators like a like a northern pike and tiger muskie what a great diversity to come and if you stay in that area there's a lot of things around the area to get out of the park and do if you're spending time yeah, you know, we're we're about two hours away from a couple of different access points in the Flat Top Wilderness, including Trapper's Lake, um, the Grand Mesa National Forest. Um, there's just a ton of high mountain lakes up there that you can fish, and some of them you can put a boat on. That's within two hours. Um, I even go out to Utah to do day hikes. You know, none of that's very far away. Um, where There's just an abundance of um, Bureau of Land Management land and National Forest land where you can um, hike and um, fish, hunt, camp. There's There's a lot around here. Matt, we got to let you go, but thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, thank you. Have a great day. You bet. That's Matt from the Rifle Gap, Harvey Gap, and Rifle Falls. Great, great park areas. Let's go to the phones real quick. And I got to tell you, Mr. Mason, Kevin, from Honey Smoked Fish Company, that, um, you know, they moved my show from 9 to 11 to 10 to noon. And now by the time I get off, talking about your product all for two hours, I'm going to be hungry. Because it's going to be lunchtime. Well, I got you. Good morning, Terry. I guess I got you hooked. <laughs> yeah, well, you had me hooked years ago. But then <laughs> I, I got to sit here, you know, and then I'll be doing your spots and listening to it. So by the time it gets to noon, I'm gonna, I may have to start bringing a pack in the studio with me. Well, yes, and you'll get everyone hooked. Yeah, we fishing. You're no. coming. <laughs> I tell you what, Kevin, it's, it's easy to love your product. It's a great product. Why don't you tell people why it's so great? Well, it's Easter. Happy Easter to all my fans and customers. And, of course, happy Passover. Passover. Uh, it's great just to lay it out with some cheese and crackers while dinner's cooking. It's great to throw it in spaghetti and have a superfood spaghetti. It's just great as an ingredient to upscale any menu to make a superfood dish. Uh, you know, it is wonderful product that we love it. You know that I love it. It's I can tell you there's packs in my refrigerator right now, and I'll and I love I love to have it when I'm going out on my patio and I'm going to have a little wine. It goes with either a white or a nice Pinot Noir. I can start my evening and just sit out there and make a make either a dip out of it or eat it right out of the package. And I love it. How do they find it, Kevin? Or don't forget Crown and Coke too for all those you know men that don't like the wine. Watch it, pal. Uh, I just want to tell all my customers now it's at Walmart. All right. And it's at ma all major supermarkets and now at Walmart. Kevin, as yeah. always, thanks for it's joining us. Edition. And Yeah, and yeah. Very proud of it. Yeah, no, and you guys are great. And you're great, 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 by the way. By the way, we gave away the some of the gift certificates with the trivia you're doing, and people are just thrilled, Kevin. Thank you for being such a tremendous supporter Thank of this you. program. Thank you very much, and happy Easter. Happy Easter to you, Kevin. We'll talk to you soon.
Bye. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Sun Power Sports, Colorado's largest ATV and motorcycle dealer. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Sun Power Sports, Colorado's largest ATV and motorcycle dealer. Let's go right to the phones. Joining us at his, well, a little bit ahead of his new time, since we've got new hours. And for those of you that didn't realize it, the show has moved from 10 to noon for the summer until Broncos training camp starts. Then we'll go back to our 9 to 11 time frame. But he's actually joining us for two segments this uh, this week, and that's Mr. Nate Zielinski. Good morning, Nate. Good morning, Terry. How are you today? You know, I'm doing good, and you, you know, I give you a hard time all the time, but you truly are one of our more valuable contributors. You cover the entire, you and your group cover the entire spectrum of the outdoors. And we'll get to the fishing stuff after the top of the hour. But I wanted to get you on right now because we got turkey season almost on it. And we started covering it a little bit last week. So I thought we'd dedicate maybe 10 minutes to just turkey hunting and maybe again a little bit next week. Because I think the season starts April 14th. So we only got about two weeks. Is that right? Absolutely, Terry. That's it. It's starting soon. And, you know, I mean, you talk about a sport that has literally blown up across the country. Um, is turkey hunting. I mean, you know, from it's something that somebody has always done. It's always been a sport. It's been popular. But in the last three, four years, turkey hunting has just blown up. And, you know, it's, I think it's a, it's a process of everything. I think as we are growing in numbers as hunters, um, you know, you're starting to see it to where people hunted big game, and now they just get that spring fever, and they want to get out, and they want to hunt. And turkey is that ultimate, uh, you know, it's that ultimate situation of hunting a, a very vocal animal, very similar to elk. And anytime you add the, the vocalization into a hunt, it adds more excitement, more, more of a thrill. Um, so turkey hunting is blowing up across the country, uh, and especially in Colorado as our birds have, have grown. You know, it used to be, you know, we had some mountain birds and some eastern plain stuff, and now there's turkeys in places where you would never dream there to be turkeys, I mean, especially in the mountain areas. I mean, I, I've literally seen turkeys above tree line. Um, I mean, to where literally our turkey population is thriving due to the, to the great management of the Colorado Parks and Wildlife. So it's exciting to see a lot of birds to where, you know, when I started turkey hunting 20 years ago, I hate that I can say that, but when I started turkey hunting 20 years ago, you know, we had to really hunt a certain number of birds and there was a lot of hunters on those birds. And now, you know, you can go off and, and find your own group and have nobody around you. So it, it's a great opportunity to hunt turkeys here in Colorado. Well, you know, and I can tell you how much it's changed because we used to do a full, at least a, one full, sometimes a whole show just on turkey hunting because people that turkey hunt get so fanatic because it is a vocal calling sport. It really gets in their blood. But 20 years ago, 15 years ago, you couldn't buy an over-the-counter turkey license. You had to draw. And if you didn't draw exactly the right area, you went out of state to hunt because you knew you weren't going to be yep successful but now you can be very confident with an over-the-counter license in colorado that you have an optimistic chance of harvesting a turkey absolutely your your odds are with you and i mean that's it you know and i think the other nice thing is it's a long season so you know some of these birds are in big winter flocks out in the eastern plains and you know every bird is kind of different it's much like the elk rut it's much like the walleye spawn no matter what it is you got various you know groups of birds, various areas, various regions, that all these birds are doing different things, whether they're in their big winter flocks, whether they're full-time breeding, you know, it, it all varies. And giving you uh, a very long season here in Colorado, it's nice because you can, you can optimize, you can hunt different areas, especially that over-the-counter tag. 
uh, and you can make a very successful hunt out of uh, out of what we consider a generic tag. So it's nice to have those opportunities. And you know, now with two weeks left, it's time to get set up. You know, and I actually I wrote an article for Mossy Oak yesterday, the the top five failures of a turkey hunter. And there's a lot that goes into it. I mean, everything from calling to locating birds to to how you pursue those birds. And now is that time when you have two weeks, you know, till the season to start honing your skills. Get out there and scout. Get out there and just watch these birds naturally in their behavior, how they're working each other, how they're talking to each other. Um, you know, now's the time to head down to a retail, you know, go to Bass Pro and, and, you know, buy some calls and practice, you know, and there's a lot to calling. And I shouldn't say a lot to calling. You can call in a turkey with a lot of different sounds. But now is your time to, to get out there and practice, you know, whether you're going to go very basic with a box call or, you know, you're going to do a situation of using a slate or you're going to use a diaphragm. There's a lot of opportunity and they all will work. So I really get out there and say, hey, right now, you know, work on what's good for you. You know, I use a slate as a louder call. That's my, my locator. It's going to cover a lot of ground. You know, I might use a box call when they're coming in so I can do it small. And, you know, when they get right tight to me, I'll roll over to a diaphragm in my mouth so I can, you know, shoot archery equipment and, and not have any movement. But now's your time to get out there, get those calls, practice you know, get efficient with that low movement, um, things like that. There's a lot that you can be doing right now to enhance your skills. There's a lot going into to decoys. I mean, whether you're using a, a hen decoy, a jake decoy, a you know, full skinny gander decoy, um, you know, whether you're going to hunt in a blind, whether you can do that. I mean, there's a new technique called fanning. Um, that is, it's controversial if you want to do it on public land or not, but uh, the opportunities are there. So there's a lot to go into it. So you encourage them right now, two weeks out. Planning. And the biggest thing I do is I watch my natural birds, see what the natural birds are doing, and I plan my, my game plan from there. Because a lot can be different. You watch the videos, you do a lot of turkey hunting education, um, and a lot can change whether you're hunting on the eastern plains or hunting up in the mountains uh, you know, for our Miriam birds. So really get out there, scout, see the situation, see what the birds are doing, and really build a game plan from there. Now, if people wanted to read your article from Mossy Oaks, how would they find that, Nate? Everything. It'll be posted Monday morning on mossyoak.com. Uh, so go to mossyoak.com. You'll see that. And we're actually going to start writing, you know, multiple articles a month on, on a lot of this type stuff. But, uh, yeah, we put a lot into this. And I, I don't want to spoil it for, uh, for Mossy Oak, but there's some things in this top five failures that I, I would almost guarantee you have never thought about and never heard. Uh, a lot of cutting-edge stuff. The things that I personally do, I uh, learned from a good friend of mine, Robert Schmack, who's on this radio show. Uh, he owns Turkey Creek Studios as far as uh, taxidermy for turkey. Uh, but he taught me this little trick for locating birds uh, that I would say is cutting-edge, and I'd say it will blow your mind. It's going to be available uh, in that article here coming up here early next week. So, again, go to mossyoak.com. And you can read that article. Now, do the, can you link? Are you going to link on your Facebook to that? I will. I will. I'll, I'll put a lot of that stuff on the Facebook page. It'll probably be on the Nate Zelinsky Facebook page. Uh, we'll link it there for sure. So now, a, lot, a lot of cool stuff happens. I'm going to steal a little bit from our fishing segment that's coming up over the top of the hour because there's a couple more things I want to ask no you worries. and a couple points I want to take. One is... Um, as you're approaching turkey hunting as an archery hunter, which is becoming more and more popular, and I know you love archery hunting, but what about the guy who's starting with a shotgun? Does he approach it differently, or is it the same? He just has to maybe judge his shot differently or get it in a little closer or set his, set his decoys differently? Does, is there a different approach? Absolutely. You know, I think there's, there's a couple different approaches. Number one, I think, is knowing your pattern. I don't think people realize how tough a turkey is. 
you know, even feathers in general, if you're a waterfowl, let's say you're new to it, I mean, you know, you shoot at a, at a goose with some, some great loads nowadays, and you can literally hear that pellet coming off of a goose as they fly by. It's unbelievable they don't penetrate. And a turkey is even so much tougher than, say, a, a goose. So you're dealing with a bird that literally has armor around them to where everybody thinks that, you know, they're going to get penetration, they're going to get a kill. And there's a lot of turkeys that get away. So number one thing we talk about with the shotgun is, is get your pattern set up. You know, right now you take a 20-gauge, a 12-gauge, whatever. You know, you don't have to have a turkey gun. Take, your, take whatever shotgun you have and go out, buy yourself some good turkey loads. You know, generally speaking, you're going to buy an actual premium-built turkey load. A lot of times it's going to be a size 4. But you're going to get yourself a, a true turkey load. It'll be lead pellets. And you're going to go out and shoot. And you want to know what your pattern is. That's the biggest thing. So buy yourself a, generally speaking, you're going to buy a turkey target. That's just a piece of paper you can put on a box or put on, you know, whatever you're shooting at. But go out to 20 yards, 30 yards, 40 yards, shoot a, a true turkey load and see what that pattern looks like. Are you getting, you know, one, two pellets? Are you getting 20 pellets? You know, you want to make sure that you have a good pattern hitting that bird. And generally speaking, with a shotgun, you're going to shoot from the base of the neck up. You know, whether you take a headshot or a neck shot, that's your true vitals on that turkey. And, you know, all of a sudden, you know, you, people think about shooting the entire turkey and like, oh, I got some pellets in that style of turkey. But, you know, once you get out there 20, 30 yards, that a lot of times won't get it done. So what we do is you look at that true turkey image on a target, take a shot and look at, you know, how many pellets you're getting in the neck and the head. And a lot of times, very affordably, you know, you can go down and buy a cheap, uh, a very fairly affordable, cheap, uh, you know, different choke tube for your shotgun. You know, an extra full. You can really tighten that up to where you have a, a very powerful load going towards that turkey. So the first thing I do is check your patterns, you know, and then you determine yourself, hey, what I'm shooting now is great. Or I do need to put in a, a different choke tube to tighten that pattern up. And that's going to give you your distance. You know, so a lot of guys are going to say, hey, my pattern is only good at, you know, 20, 25 yards. So that's what I have to wait for. There are certain guns and certain tubes, um, you know, if you're shooting that type of stuff, where you can say, hey, I can take a 40-yard shot, and I know I'm getting seven, eight pellets in there, and I know I'm tight. Um, so you can really judge it from that. But your pattern is going to determine your capable distance. It has nothing to do with killing power. It has a, a, it's everything to do with your pattern at distance and how many pellets you're putting in, uh, in the kill zone on the turkey. So that's our first steps. And from there, you kind of go forth. And turkey hunting with a bow brings up the whole new category is – most of the time, guys are going to be sitting in tree stand, or excuse me, sitting in blinds, because you have to have that draw. And a turkey's eyesight is so phenomenal that a lot of archers have a hard time drawing outside of a blind. Now, I still do a lot of stuff outside, but it's more the fact that I can run a diaphragm call. So I sit kind of, you know, right at a tree, you know, right next to a tree, almost behind the tree. I start working these birds. The second they start coming in. I draw my bow, and I'm capable of holding that draw for three minutes, five minutes, allowing that bird to come in and me taking the shot. But if you can't hold that draw for a very extended amount of time, uh, it can get fairly tough, and then all of a sudden you're looking at hunting out of a ground blind. If you're hunting out of a ground blind, same thing. Purchase it now and learn to shoot out of that blind. Because, again, those are things that can, uh, can really hurt you, at, you know, in the final moments of making that kill. Nate, we got to take a quick time out. When we come back, I want to get back to fishing with you, but we're going to continue this turkey somewhat next week, too, I think. Absolutely. We'll definitely continue it. All right. So I'm going to put you on hold. We'll come back and we'll talk fishing. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Sun Power Sports, Colorado's largest ATV and motorcycle dealer. 